0: Welcome to J-Rod Concerts, the podcast with Jamie Rodriguez. A trip of music discovery, Jamie is picking people he thinks you'll really like. Musicians, artists, producers, and everyone involved in the world of music. Here's your host, Jamie Rodriguez. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the J-Rod Concerts podcast. This is your host, This and every episode, Jamie Rodriguez. For those of you that are new to the show, we welcome you. We love to talk about music in this show. We're all about music, the latest stars, up-and-coming musicians, legends, producers, tour managers, and everyone involved in the world of music. Now, guys, sometimes this career humbles you. I've been around music all my life, I've been in radio since 2004, and there's moments that are pinch-me moments, there's moments that, even after they happened, you look back and you are like, did that just happen? We've had several legends on this show, we've had people like John Oates of Holland Oates, we've had Mary Wilson of the Supremes, We've we've had a lot of legendary musicians, but today's guest, ladies and gentlemen... More than a legend, she's an American icon. She's an absolute icon. Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome today Judy Collins to the show. Of course, Judy has a career of over 60 years in music. She's known for the amazing albums that she's recorded, whether they're folk music, rock, pop. She's an actress, Uh, she's been in movies. She was nominated for an Academy Award in um, 1975, I believe. Um, for a documentary that she did. She's done it all. She's done it all. Judy joins us from her apartment in New York where we talk about some amazing stories, her incredible journey in music. She's been through it all. The civil rights era of 1968 we compare it to today's civil rights movements. She shares with us some incredible stories about rock and roll luminaries like Janis Joplin. We talk about some of her amazing songs that are for preservation in the National Recording Registry by the Library of Congress. Yeah, I mean, so many things, so many things, you know, she's been part of like basically the lore of, uh, of American music. You know, she, she shares some Stephen Stills stories. She was so generous with her time. And uh, it is definitely a highlight for me as a music aficionado, as a journalist, whatever you call it. Judy, thank you so much for your time. I really hope that my audience enjoys it and then you, you get a kick out of it because Judy is an American treasure and it was an honor to have her on the show. Now, uh, we welcome all of you new listeners. Uh, if you like what you hear, please subscribe. We always encourage you to please give us a rating whatever you want to give us. uh, We appreciate it. It helps a lot with the algorithms for Apple Music, for Spotify, for all that good stuff. But we appreciate you listeners. We appreciate you and we certainly appreciate Judy Collins. Without further ado guys, this is the interview. Hello, Judy. How are you? I'm doing great. Can you see me and hear me well?
1: Sure, Sure, I can see you fine.
0: Wonderful, Judy. Well, first of all, apologies for my corporate back backdrop without any character. You caught me oh. on the road, so I'm in a hotel.
1: <laughs> okay, that's fine. That's fine. And you caught me at home, so they'll have some. We'll have some pictures, some flowers in the back.
0: Much nicer. Wonderful, Judy.
1: In the painting.
0: <laughs> wonderful, wonderful, Judy. Well, listen. Thank you so much for your time, Judy. And just before bef- before we get started, um, I just want to take twenty seconds and thank you. Uh, it's an honor to tell you that you know to have you on the show uh, for thank everything you've meant to music, Judy. Uh, you know, I could spend enti- the entire episode just going through everything you've meant to to folk and to music. So thank you, and uh, it's an honor to have you on the show,
1: Judy. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So. Let's start with this, Judy. I want to touch a little bit about everything. I want some current events, and I want to get back to your uh, childhood. But let's start really quickly with corona, right? Um, I just want to ask you, you know, tell me a little bit about your year, like March, February. What plans did you have, and and what happened, uh, you know, when when the entire world got the rug pulled out under their their feet?
1: First, I don't have it. (laughs) I'm safe. I locked down, and I've behaved myself. I wear a mask wear gloves when I go out I've been out on a few walks in the parks and by the river sure and uh, I've had one uh, in-person coffee with someone a few weeks ago in their home okay gloves social distance that's the key I mean it's so simple I spray the house I spray myself I carry my little my little uh, spritzer with alcohol in it everywhere. I spray my hair, I spray my clothes, I spray my friends.
0: <laughs> good, good.
1: And when, so, you know, my, my team has been trying to get me off the road for a mm-hmm. few weeks every summer. Right. Weeks, and I've never been able to do it. So when sure. March Chance came, March Chance was the last time I was out in a restaurant in New York City. And uh, from then on, we've been home. We've had wonderful meals. My husband and I have watched about 150 movies. Mm -hmm. Loved. We've done a lot of work. I've written new songs. And that's what's happened. And so now we're preparing to get things ready to go back. I'm going out on Wednesday to Virginia, to Norfolk, Virginia, where I'm going to do a concert for the Virginia Arts Council, and you can go on their website and find them. Right. uh, The Virginia Arts Festival with CCI, and you'll find everything there. The the Chrysler Hall in Norfolk, and I don't know that I've been at the Chrysler Hall before, but I'm going to be there with Chatham County Line, which is the group that I made my recent record with Mm -hmm. called Winter Stories.
0: That's wonderful. And
1: we'll be singing some of the songs from that album, and of course, some of the classic Judy Collins songs.
0: Excellent. Yes, uh, the Virginia Arts Festival, live from Chrysler Hall. Tickets available to purchase through vafest.org, and it will air on October 23rd and 24th. Yes, for sure, for sure. That's exciting, Judy. Yeah, I was going to ask about Louis and the cats, but I think you, <laughs> oh, <good. laughs> but I think he'll you probably,
1: answered it. He'll probably be around to see us uh, pretty soon because they're always curious about what's going on on Zoom and who they're going to see. And we're all good. You know, we're, we're healthy. We're resolved to do the best we can and uh, get uh, prepare, arrive prepared, and we're here to win.
0: I love That's it. Fun. I love it, Judy. What a great attitude. Let me ask you a couple of questions about the current state of affairs kind of in America, Judy, because you've been through quite a bit. Um, you know, 1968, for example, transformational year, of course, and you were in the thick of it. Uh, like you performed Amazing Grace at the height of the Vietnam War, for example. So I just wanted to ask you, you know, some people have compared it to, to that era. Do you see any patterns, Judy?
1: Well, the pattern is that a lot of people know that the government doesn't work the way we thought it does that we have to take action and we have to protest we have to vote we have to hear our voices and listen to the other voices around us we you know i was raised in a family i'm reading a new biography of Mm -hmm. general eisenhower president it's so brilliant i can't get over it it's written by his granddaughter susan who's a friend of mine but it is so brilliant and i'll tell you it's such a breath of fresh air to be in the midst of the brain and the actions and the ethics of this man because he was the real deal. He was a thinker. He was positive. He was a leader. He was determined. He was horrified by what he saw. I've just gone through the passage where he's been through the camps and seen what happened during the Holocaust. I mean, this is a man who was brought up in dignity and in grace and his ability to lead and the way he led is so refreshing. I mean, it's like, Plowing through through a book of the the most important ethics to hold, yeah. in, in life in a political life as well as the social and a um, uh, an artistic life, and so it's very refreshing because we need that we need clarity we need clarity we need justice we need uh, to be provocative we need to be insistent you know we've just lost this wonderful wonderful woman, Ms. Bader Ginsburg, who's been an inspiration to all of us, women and men alike. And she just cut through the noise, and she cut through the BS, if you'll forgive the expression, and was uh, pragmatic and insistent and professional and clear. That's how we have to be.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely, Judy. And as we segue a little bit into your early early life, I want to ask you a little bit about uh, Lingo the Drifter and your father. (laughs) <laughs> because you used to say that they would sit and drink whiskey and talk about Vietnam and the government. What do you think Lingo and your dad drinking whiskey would say today in 2020 at this moment?
1: They were souls cut out of the same cloth, very different in many ways. You know, Lingo the Drifter saying, uh, This land is your land, this land is my land. And my father would sing, Some enchanted evening, because both came from different... But, they loved politics. They were great readers, both of them. They believed in the rule of law. They believed in the American dream and the American way of life. And they had a lot to talk about. And it was interesting because my dad said to Lingo once, you know, you don't have any money, which he didn't. He had a radio show like my dad did. And he sang a lot of Woody Guthrie songs on it. But basically he he led a pretty uh, slim lined, uh, pocket it wasn't velvet lined at all but my dad said you know you ought to go out to hollywood and go on one of these quiz shows and bring home a lot of money (laughs) so and lingo he and lingo were very very close they talked a lot they they shared a lot they uh, quizzed each other about history and everything else and so uh my father said to lingo one day are you going to do that are you going to go out there are you going to go to hollywood said yes i'm going out i'm going to be on the groucho marx show you bet your life and he went out he was on the show we watched the show we heard it and we watched and uh, my father turned the set off afterwards and he said lingo doesn't know the answer to that question and so he knew my father knew that the the shows were fixed ah it was the beginning of the real, the real scandal about the, the, the shows where Mark Doran was caught, uh, having given, been given right. answers and so on. But anyway, Lingo came home with $64,000 in paper bags and he bought <laughs> top of, of, uh, he bought the pot the top of, uh, a little mountain outside of Denver law. And, mm-hmm. uh, he started, um, a folk group out there that would meet in his cabins. And we'd go out and we'd have a uh, borscht and homemade brew and listen to each other sing songs, Amazing. get very drunk, and try to get back home to Denver. We were young <laughs> we were young to drive, so we, our parents were there with us quite often. Some of the kids were older. Some of them were 18, some were in their 20s. I heard uh, uh, a song that was written by Woody Guthrie and there. Sung by a young man named Mart Hoffman, whom I thought was just singing the song that 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 uh, Woody had written, but it turned out that Mart Hoffman had written the, the words to "Deportees." Wonderful song, mm-hmm. you know. Crops are all in and the peaches are running. Gorgeous, gorgeous song. Gorgeous, yeah. And it wasn't until about three years ago when there was a big um, Woody Guthrie festival out in Brooklyn. Pete actually it was longer than that because Pete was still alive and Pete and Toshi were both there and there was a pamph- there was a song book being pos- passed around that had deportees in it and it said the writer of the of the melody was my old friend Mart Hoffman and unfortunately oh. Mart Hoffman killed himself probably in 73 and I wrote a song about Mart Hoffman yeah a song for Mart, it was called. So my life as a teenager, after I was 16, was completely devoted to learning songs, learning to finger pick the guitar. God, I wish I could finger pick the guitar now. I used to be able to finger pick, uh, what was it called, Travis style. And I was very good, I have to say. Of course. However, because of Pete and the six string, the 12 string guitar, I switched over and I never went back. So now I—who's I, going to be able to learn now again to fingerpick? Although I'm thinking I might try if we have some more lockdown, I might give it a whirl.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a great story, Judy. Thanks for sharing. And it's funny. L- last week we were um, we were you know re- researching a little for, for this interview, and and with my team we were listening to the Gypsy Rover, and oh. someone. And someone asked, like, my God, like, what's the story of that song? And we, so we came across this great story of how you, you know, you had these babysitting jobs and um, you, you saved all this money so you could finally buy that record. Oh, and yeah. you finally got it and you broke it.
1: Yeah, I broke <laughs> it and I sat on it. And in those days, you know, the records were, they were like crisp, like a piece of crisp, crispies. And you sat on it and broke it all. It was red. I read, red vinyl. And then i called my girlfriends and said you're going to have to listen to the radio this was from the soundtrack of an alan ladd movie called the 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 black knight yeah and it and it was sung by lee it was written by leo Desmond. it was copyrighted the song was copyrighted by leo desmond and what a story you know uh, you just couldn't get over it so i right. turned it into a show that my friends and i did they danced the story my best friends were both dancers, great dancers, but one of them went to England and danced with the Royal Ballet, with the Sadler Wells, which became the Royal Ballet, when we were 16. And then she came back, and we went on performing the Gypsy Rover throughout uh, Denver, all over the place. You know, we sang it, we sang it at the Lions Club, and the Elks Club, and the Kiwanis Club, and the Lowry Air Force Base, and Fitzsimmons General Hospital. And uh, we were going to take it to we were going to take it to, uh, to uh, what's that place up there in uh, Nor in uh, Nevada? Mm-hmm. Uh, you remember where all, all the show shows go? Uh, I forget what it's called. <laughs> that's what. That's it's what escaping happened. me. Okay. So I'll tell you about it later when I remember. Sure.
0: <laughs> sure, sure, Judy. No, yeah, a wonderful story. And you got all the radio stations to play it too, right?
1: Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't record it. I didn't record uh, the Gypsy Rover until I was uh, in my, oh my God, I don't think I recorded until I was 60. Mm. I don't think I did it until it was 20 years, uh, 20 years ago. And I just, I held off doing those songs, both the Gypsy Rover and uh, Barbara Allen, which really started my career. My whole career started with those two songs because then I dropped the piano. I stopped playing Rachmaninoff, and my teacher said to me, this is a real mistake because <laughs> you really could have gone places as a pianist. So I still practice every day. How about that?
0: How about that? Oh, I have
1: okay. to. I have to. But that was where it all started with those two songs. And the Gypsy Rover, what a swell song. I'm sorry I never met Leo Desmond, but I certainly do love his his his. his his ear because that's an old song. It's about a thousand years old, but he did shape it a little bit and add some glimmer to it. And I picked up on it and it started my career.
0: Amazing. Oh, this story is Judy, you're filling my heart with, with, with so much color right now. A couple more questions about, about like, about that period and Judy really quickly. I want to talk about Janis Joplin really quickly because you and her, uh, shared kind of like for a brief period there, like a pattern. And, um, you know, one legendary night, if you can tell my audience about this, she whispered something in your ear at the troubadour, right? Um, can, can, can you tell my audience what she told you and what and what you felt?
1: Well, you can imagine those days, 68, 69, maybe, probably 68, because I was in Los Angeles and doing a recording with Stephen Stills and uh, a number of other... Uh, illustrious musicians. And I was uh, hanging out with my friend John Cook, and we went down to the Troubadour because um, one of our friends was playing down there. And uh, we we were sitting at the table listening to Paul Williams sing. And there were a whole lot of people from the industry, quotes on in the room. And Janice and I wound up sitting with, with uh, with my, my friend who was her road manager, uh, John Cook managed her. He was a great uh, musician and he was also a member of the Green Bar Boys. He came out of Boston and played with them for a long time, but then he was, he was uh, taking care of Janice and on the road with her. So there we were singing around, sitting around this table, drunk. Of course we were drunk. Of course. I mean, <laughs> And Janice, and I knew a lot about Janice's drinking because it was very public. She made it public and people talked about it. They knew about co- Southern Comfort. They knew about her history with various uh, substances and so on. But we were sitting there quietly and one, one of those moments when the applause died and the room got quiet, she leaned over and she said, one of us is going to make it and it's not going to be me. Wow. Wow. Now, it was a shock to me because I didn't know that she knew about my drinking. Now everybody knows about my drinking, even me. <laughs> but uh, it, was, uh, it was a tender moment and a moment of that kind of inner story that comes out when someone wasn't really thinking about what they were going to say.
0: Sure. Wow. Very powerful moment. It was. Absolutely, i forget that. I'll never no. forget
1: how well, terrible this illness is, yeah. That you shared, and how unpredictable it is because you never know. You do, I did. I actually didn't do very many drugs. I thought they would interfere with my drinking, but I mm. did a lot of other things. I mean, sure. I, did, I was speaking of addiction. You know, I was. I was so addicted that the, my first acid trip, which I took in the village, in the East Village, with Michelle and John Phillips and an old boyfriend of mine it was so bad it was 63 maybe 1963 and it was so bad that it took me two two weeks and a couple of bottles of jim beam just to come down just
0: to come down wow i
1: I thought i was losing my mind and of course it was so horrible that i did it again and that was it (laughs) twice
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh judy oh my god this stories. I love him. Um, you mentioned really quickly Stephen Stills. Of course, he you know he made the uh, the legendary song for you. I just wanted. I, I was just curious, uh, Judy. When you're out and about doing errands, you know, when you're uh, in New York, grocery shopping or whatever, and you hear that song playing, do you still look at the stereo and like feel something, or are okay. you like annoyed?
1: <laughs> oh, oh God, I love it. It's, the, oh, it's a great song. It's one oh, of yeah. the songs that has kind of stormed through all these decades and you still hear it and you say oh, da, 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 da. Yeah. you start hearing it and then you go oh that
0: sounds good. better than ever
1: oh it's better than ever and yeah. then of course since we've been friends for all these years because we never the reason i think we remained friends is that we never said anything unforgivable to one another yeah and i crazy about him always was and i guess it was mutual and we just love each other i i'm very close with him and his family and his wife and and uh wonderful. I just love him he's wonderful and we just spent a year and a half in 2016 on the road yeah on the road together we did 115 shows in a year and a half look at they that were all fabulous mm-hmm. we had we were both on stage together the whole time usually uh-huh. in these duets one person does half and then the other person does the other half and then if you're lucky they come out and do a you know, A they do songs it, together, and right? It, and then they go home. <laughs> but, and usually the one who opens gets to go home first and doesn't even stay for the. <laughs> <laughs> right. But this time we were on the stage the whole time. We each had one song that was our own, which we sang by ourselves. And in my case, I sang Dreamers, which is the song that I wrote about, about immigration. Yeah. And yeah, uh, he, he, uh, he would switch around and do one or another of his own songs. But it was heaven. And every night I got to go out there and be on the stage with him in the rock and roll band with Steven Stills and listen to him play. I mean, this guy was magic. I mean, he's still one of the top guitar players in the world. Absolutely. So it's been a privilege to know him, to know his songwriting. I wish I could learn more from his songwriting. Every once in a while, I start listening to... CSNN and all of his solo albums just to get that sense of what I should be doing. It's extremely right. important. You know, Jimmy Webb is always saying to me, we've got to listen to one another. We have to listen to what we're doing, what what the other person is doing. And so I do make an effort for that. I listen to other singers, so- songwriters. That's good. And, uh, you know, for instance, recently I've been picking up again on David Crosby, whom I adore. Mm-hmm. I just adore him. And he has written some of the, his best song just in the last two or three years with his son, uh, James, Jamie, in uh, doing a collaboration with it. One of them that I, I suggest that everybody who is watching should go and find is a song called Radio. And I think I'm going to try to do radio on my next album with the Chatham County Line because, you know, we did Winter Stories and now we're going to break into summer tales <laughs> and try to do all four seasons, actually.
0: Oh, oh my God. Great recommendation. Thanks, Judy. You've been so generous with your time. I want to ask you a couple current event questions, um, Current artist questions, I meant. Uh, Today there's a couple singers like Margot Price or Brandy Carlyle, who every other press interview they do, or every other, they rave about the influence that you had on them. Songwriters, both Margaret Price and Brandy Carlile. Um, So I just wanted to talk to you. You know, you've uh, like all these new wave of really talented performers that are paying homage to you so often. Uh, How does that feel like? And uh, what's your uh, your take? Well,
1: I look back too at my own career and say, oh my God, think of all those. I didn't write songs until 1968, but before then, '67 actually, I had already been given by the muse so many great songs you know i'm relearning the lonesome death of hattie Carroll because i'm going to be doing a an album at town hall to commemorate my 1964 album and concert it was my first concert in this, in new york city for, first solo concert right and i'm relearning and going to do lonesome death of hattie Carroll, which is one of the most the best songs ever written mean, it's right up to and equal to anything that Dylan ever wrote, and especially uh, Murder Most Foul, you know, the most mm-hmm. recent yeah. about JFK. Oh, yeah, yeah. So th- there, there were so many songs that had come into my life from the Gypsy Rover and uh, Barbara Allen right on through, right up to both sides now, and then continuing. Every year I would find something new somewhere I'd find, since you've asked, I'd, which I wrote, or I'd find uh, Both Sides Now, which came to me from Al Cooper playing, putting Joni Mitchell on the phone in the middle of the night. She sang it to me. And then finding, uh, sending the clowns. I was sitting in this very room in 1973 and a friend of mine, Nancy Bacall, called me up and said, I know you're troubled and wondering what's next and here's what's next. And things like that happened to me all along. I think partly <clears throat> that, uh, and I love Brandy Brandi Carlisle. I was introduced to Brandy by, by Stephen Stills, who's a great fan of hers. And he ca- she came to sing at one of his big fundraisers for the Autism Concert and Fundraiser and Foundation. And then she and I were on uh, the Newport Festival uh, last year, <clears throat> 2019, together. And we got to sing and perform both sides now together. So I think part of the intrigue is that material. Yeah. It, I was I was surrounded by great songwriters. I didn't write songs of my own and so I was able to cherry pick and find the songs that suited me and the yeah. songs that were part of what the environment was doing. What the singer-songwriter environment was doing all along. And in a way I think if you listen to my to my repertoire from the beginning from 1961 my first mm-hmm. album for a wonderful
0: album passion. yeah
1: if you followed it all the way through, mm-hmm. you would probably find a political and social resonance for every decade and not just every decade, but every couple of years, because sure. it both changed that fast.
0: Sure, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I can see that. Wow, for sure. Wow, you've been so generous with your time. Let me leave you with this, but let me just remind the audience, uh, Virginia Arts Festival, live Chrysler Hall in Norfolk. Uh, it's gonna air October 23rd and 24th, Judy Collins is going to do amazing tickets available to purchase now at vafest.org judy you know what's your take on how these young people now are listening to music all their songs in, in in their pocket does that sometimes blow your mind
1: incredible and for me too i can go right on to my yeah. my phone and right. pick out anything i want to listen to at the moment no it's phenomenal, yeah. phenomenal.
0: oh my god judy well listen You've said it all. You've been so generous with your time. And honestly, Judy, it's been the thrill. What a thrill to have you.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure. And you have a great lockdown.
0: You too, absolutely. And continue to stay safe with your family, the cats, everyone. And keep spreading the love. Thank you, Judy. Thank you so much.
1: Bye-bye. You've been listening to J-Rod Concerts, the podcast with Jamie Rodriguez.